Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with Chris Thompson about how to run your best 10K. So it was a great distance, Rick. It is actually. I think it might be my favourite because Ooh. it's a little bit longer than a 5K, obviously. It's twice the distance, actually. Oh, gosh. Um, Straight into some maths. All right. But, but you can have a bash at it, do, you know, put it all out there for 10K and, you could, and then you could have another go, you know, the following month. And I think it's a great combination of uh, speed and endurance that's required. I think you have to be quite a good all-round runner to um, run your best 10k and I think the training is a bit more varied as well than it would be say for a marathon distance and have you ever have you ever done a training block directly in preparation for a 10k yes once um and it was it, it was odd in 10k pb surprisingly but yeah oh. I was um I think to be honest I've always tr- even when I've done marathon training I think it's probably looked more like traditional 10k training for most people i.e like quite low mileage quite high quality in there um probably more like if we're doing like the percentages like maybe 30 or 40 percent quality and 60 percent um kind of like lower aerobic stuff so yeah i targeted the um oh god i can't remember what it's called now it will come to me though it will come to me it was 10k down on the south coast and yeah very flat and yeah it felt 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 good actually it is, it is a hard distance in terms of like like a 5k right you have to be you're going to be hurting at halfway um, yeah yeah and I think oh, maybe, I yeah. It's a sort of, in the sliding scale of distances, 5K is incredibly popular because park run. People leap to the marathon straight away because they feel they should. Half marathon is probably statistically the most popular distance. And then 10K just sits there doing its thing. And I feel undervalued, like, maybe, a bit undervalued. Maybe undervalued, yeah. It's a great platform, isn't it? I mean, in, yeah. in the pros, like, obviously, a great 10,000 metre time often eventually leads to someone going into the marathon. I think we're seeing that with like, hopefully you can see that with Ailish McColgan about like how she can convert great 10K running into great marathon running. And you're right, probably not enough people do it, do they? They kind of, they, they we leap to the marathon. We, we want to say, oh, we've run a half marathon or a marathon. Um, whereas a 10K is a great, it's a great event in itself, but also as a kind of platform to running quicker over it's Certainly a gateway half. distance, isn't it? It's a, it's ga- a gateway. It's a, ga- it's a gateway distance, mate. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. try this five k, everyone. Oh, that's delicious, isn't it? Oh, well, here you go. Here's a gateway distance, ten k. <laughs> oh no, now I'm completely addicted. Oh, that's <laughs> it's it. It's gonna be the half next. It'll be half. Oh, next, cheeky yeah. half. Yep. So um, yeah, so our guest this week is is Chris Thompson. Uh, he's one of the. I think he's one of the Britain's best distance runners, isn't he? He's got to be. Yes. 
100%. He's won silver in the 10,000 metres at 2010 European Championships, three-time winner of the Great South Run, that's 10 miler, and uh, won the 2021 British Marathon Trial, um, a month shy of his 40th birthday, and celebrated in just incredible style. I think everyone remembers the kind of finish line uh, 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 celebration, and we could see what it meant to him. So I think it would be great to get him on to talk um, 10K running, because he's so good over a variety of distances, and I think he's a great talker as well. So should we get on our, our guest of the week then? Guest of the week! Sometimes on the phone Could be an athlete Could be a physio Or a complete unknown So our guest this week is one of Britain's best distance runners. He's won silver in the 10,000 metres at the 2010 European Championships. Is a three-time winner of the Great South Run and won the 2021 British Marathon Trial, a month shy of his 40th birthday. But he's here specifically to talk about how to run your best 10k. So Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely great to have you on. Um, we want to just talk a little bit about um, 10Ks, which is just like one of the distances that you're that you're really good at. So um... Um, before that, I, I, do you know what? This is not uh, something I was going to say like uh, for the intro. That's not common. I don't think it's common knowledge. And even I have to remind myself is I actually um, I did own the, the V35 British record for 10K until Mo took it off me like about I think it was last year or the year before. I forget. But I still own the 5,000 metre British record, which um, a number of times I tried to get the senior ones and uh, I missed it by seconds and then Mo annihilated it. But I do, I did have the, I did have the 10K British record for a couple of years and then, uh, but I still have the 5K and, uh, and Mo's now too old. So hopefully I'll have that for a while. Yeah. I mean, it was but, a, um, in a very, very brief moment of me and Rick doing some research, we did look at your record and I was actually like, oh, I'd, I'd forgotten that. He's, a, he's he's all right. He's all right. He's, he was all so, right. Oh, European what? <laughs> he was an all right runner. Those Europeans. Was, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of things popped up. I was like, oh yeah. He's not just yeah. the guy who was really happy to qualify for the for the marathon. Hang on, he's quite old as well. He's been around since the nineties. What's going on here? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think. I think I'm a. I. I have to admit, I do feel like I'm a, one of those weird runners where because after Q when I qualified. It, it was like, I think some people didn't realise I'd been to an Olympics before and I'd been around a while. It was like, oh, it was like a, suddenly this runner that's, uh, I don't know, works, uh, has been working all his life and took up running a couple of years, yeah. which I know there's a, yeah. what's the name that, oh, I forget, the, the lockdown. Um, Rose. Marathon, oh, yeah, Ro- like, Rose, Har- Rose, Rose Harvey, is it? Yeah, yeah, like, fantastic story, what she achieved and uh, and what, and I'm, what she's going to go on to achieve is going to be incredible, I'm sure. But it, unfortunately, I have been doing this for a while, and so I kind of got lumped into a into a scenario. Where I was like, "Yeah, no, this is." I, I'd like to think I was quite a serious contender to make the team, so it wasn't such a shock. The, the shock was I, I I spent the week before being um, up till stupid o'clock with a young child. That was the more the, the crazy thing. But yeah, no, I mean, my first British vest was in nineteen oh crikey, nineteen ninety eight. So I've I've represented Britain across three decades, uh, no four decades, nineties, noughties, yeah, four decades. So it's um, yeah, it's kind of it's co- a weird career when you grow up with Mo as being as good as he was, or and is, should I say? And you've had your Paulers, and you've had you do kind of um, you're kind of in the background uh, a little bit to what these superstars can do. But yeah, I've done the done the odd bit that I'm kind of proud of, but. <laughs> 
but you got you got to search hard. Thank goodness for the internet and Google. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's there if you look. Um, uh, but go on, Enric. Yes. Oh, right. sorry. You know, you're right. I, just, I think there's. That, I'm glad we had that. I'm glad we did a bit of that because I think the, the the preamble is is really important here. Um, when we talk about 10k training, though, um, what do you think are some of the key elements? Not, I'm not. I'm not looking for you to put together a complete plan here, but just some of the some of the things to consider. Most adventure training for when it comes to middle long distance, uh, and the only I think the only event you kind of move away from this philosophy would be marathon and maybe half but certainly track middle and long distance you've got this this philosophy of trying to train over distance under distance and at uh, uh, pace wise that is and try and cover the pace that you're going to effectively train at and I think 10,000 meters I try to dedicate in a week uh, a, a Probably, I don't want to say time, but an equal amount of effort should I should I put it rather than time to running, uh, training like I'm running for a half marathon, training like I'm running for a five k, and training like I'm running for a ten k within a week. So the flavour um, tries to tries to cover all bases, um, and then you kind of as you home in towards the race day of the ten k, you focus more and more in on specific 10k work um and so it's kind of even when you break down sessions um uh, into a, into a, an actual session on a particular day there's going to be that thought process of playing with the speeds and those speeds that you play with that you aim to run at are going to be based around slightly slower than race pace slightly faster and at race pace and mixing it all up and that kind of Swedish I think it's a Swedish term isn't it fartlek of speed play um and so I think I think the a simple answer at this point would be trying to it's an equal amount of effort to dedicate it to those three different components rather than saying time because you need obviously an eight mile tempo uh, at half marathon effort is going to take you longer than running you know 20 minutes at 5k effort but the effort is still the same. It's just the amount of time. So that's why I use the word effort. Were there any key sessions that you always went to or used to sort of gauge when you were ready to go for like a race day? There's two different two different approaches I would have to 10K running. Is One is I'm trying to run a time trial, run the fastest time. And one, I'm getting ready for a championship race, which takes into account it's going to be a fast less mile. So take championship 10k out for a second because i would look at that slightly different in the middle of a summer but if i'm looking at a, a fast time trial of a 10k i would look at for me personally and some people vary a, a key session that would be around for me about 10 to 12 days before that particular race day some people do it as late as seven days before it depends on um the type of the type of athlete you are as a, a terms of how you recover but I would use 10 to 12 days out and I would look at running um I've used a couple of different variations but one of my favorite ones would be 12 times a k of 90 seconds and I would alternate paces so I would use um so if my so when I've run uh, 27 30 um that would be my baseline so that's 245 per k 
Um, so I would look to uh, if I was if I because I used I did do sometimes do these key sessions at five thousand feet um, because I invariably come down from altitude, and so you adjust the time whether you're at altitude or at sea level. Um, but I would try to hit if I'm at five thousand feet um, two forty five, which is my target eight pace as my baseline, and I would run twelve of them, and I would try and run a two fifty k and then a two forty k and alternate between that for 12 reps and if I can and the, the key thing for me is always if I run that session in control I know I'm ready if I'm busting a gut to run it I know I probably should set my aim a little bit back a bit and so it's all about that target race pace that tells me I'm ready so if I t if I use that as the more important because obviously the race day is that you can't you can't use the race day as the information. The information is that 10 day before, 10, 12 day. And so if I work back from that, everything is geared around actually getting ready for that session. Um, so I'm not, in a, in a weird way, I'm trying to get ready for a session rather than a race because if I complete that session and I complete it comfortably, I know I'm ready to race. Um, and so for the, the 8 to 12 weeks before that, I'm trying to trying to as i said before dedicate time to a half marathon dedicate time to 5k training and dedicate time and i home in towards that session so that that specific race pace so i've got 66 laps in my mind and how i break that down um but that's the kind of the meat of what i'm trying to do uh, and there's obviously you can break that down like you, like you can the atom into so many specific moments but i won't do that <laughs> unless you ask me specific things on it on an atomic level, Chris, could you please do? <laughs> yeah, oh uh, yeah. Listen, I can say some stupid things, and that's probably one of them. <laughs> Lots of our listeners, Chris, will be regular park runners, and I wonder what you think of how um, accurate a gauge can your five k time be in terms of what you can run for ten k. Do you think you can be lulled into a sort of slight false sense of security if you can run, say, a sub twenty? park run doesn't necessarily mean you're going to run sub 40 for 10k um i think it's a it's a tough question to ask because um i think that it is a lot further because it's double the distance but it's not and so you can i think you can make pretty good assumptions about what you can run for a 10k when you're running certain things for a five it just depends if you're it, I think where it gets tricky is if you're effectively training under distance and then 5K is actually racing over distance to what you train, then it might get a bit difficult. Um, so if effectively you're training for a 5K specifically, I think there's a good chance you're probably doing enough running to to get close. And if you don't quite, if you, like you said, you use the 20 and 40 minutes, you might fall short, but it won't be too much. It's when you've got like a, you know, usually an extreme example, a 1500 meter runner is trained specifically for 1500 meters and they just one day, I'll oh, do a part run for five. They will struggle to, they might struggle. So you, but again, um, invariably people that run 5Ks are probably doing enough running. Because again, today you've got, um, you can get a lot of, uh a lot of benefits out of just steady running uh if you're training for a 5k but you've got the steady running 
it, it can carry you because it's a uh, um, uh, 5k to 10k is a there's a there's a large aerobic shift in what you're in requirements to attend um, if that makes sense and so um, you know 5k, 5k is one of those awkward distances it's not quite a, a, a 3k which is vvo2 which is a very almost anaerobic event uh but you're trying to drag it out to get to 5k a 10k there's that you've got you've got to spend a lot of time you're going to spend a lot of, of the race actually aerobically functioning a large percentage of what you're doing is aerobically functioning hence why steady running can have a big impact on it do you think that the the mental side of the stepping up to the 10k or certainly as you say you're, you're not you're not ultimately flat out the whole time you're just kind of on the on the edge you're kind of aerobically functioning how do you use a sort of this mental strength side of it to kind of get to the finish line with those events because sometimes it's a bit the shorter it is the kind of less time you have to hold on really so you kind of 10k can be one of those ones where it's actually like oh this is really hurting (laughs) yeah I think I think from because I have to go back a little bit to when I was a a kid when I think about these kind of things because I trained under a guy called Mick Woods and uh, who's still coached today at Aldershot. And one of the things from an early age was you almost went to training with an attitude of you go out as hard as you can until you fall off a cliff. And quite often that led to blowing up, failing, 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 till eventually you found that kind of internal feedback and mechanism of when you stood on the line it became quite instinctive I've got a 5k today and I and you almost instinctively knew how where that line was of going out as hard as you could but you could hang on um and I think so for me mentally how I how I approach races and it's not I don't think it's a particularly common thing this is I just kept pushing as hard as I could and almost teasing the event even with a half marathon when I first did it I thought how hard can I go and for how long and to and and if I blow up I blow up but next time I'll learn see if I can get that bit further and I think that's that's something that I did from a young age of I'm much more comfortable going out almost crossing over the red line for that particular distance and just hanging on whereas other athletes are like to finish stronger which is just as good a way of doing it it's it's almost I feel like you learn how best you function for that event and everyone's different so I think mentally speaking I think anyone that's starting out with any 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 distance is try and go into it with an open mind of you know what I might have to do this a few times before I find my optimum performance that's okay because the chance of you nailing a five ten half marathon first time out and coming away going, oh I bonked or um, well I couldn't have got any more out of myself I timed that perfectly is so unlikely. Not in a defeatist attitude. It's just we all have to go through that process of learning. Mo didn't run his fastest ten k first time out. I didn't. It's very rare that you run your fastest race. Ironically, the only event that sometimes it happens is the marathon, but that's usually linked to other factors like injuries or things like that. But certainly I think the purity of five and 10 and the half is to be brave enough to discover where you, where you lie. And I think 
I think um, you can develop a really beautiful relationship with your own red line and your own coping mechanisms of how I can improve. And you go, you can go on a bit of a journey. And I tell you, it sounds a bit like a crossover and a bit philosophical when it comes to life. But but it's something that I found that, and it relates back to Kew Gardens of sometimes you can be dealt a hand where you think this is impossible. I'm too tired or I can't do this or I can't do that. And you learn sometimes you actually can pull it off. You can pull off the impossible um, and you can start relating that into life. That's where I think running so I love it is a, as a, a life skill of, you know, you learn that failure is part of success. You learn that you really discover a lot about yourself and you can apply that. And that's where I think mentally when it comes to races, you think, right, this is unique. This is a new journey. Let's see where this goes. Um, slightly deep answer, but yeah, it's, no, it's, it's great. It's a great I answer. think it's a fantastic it's answer. answer. In the fact that as a sort of a multi-combo response to it, there's that, there's the sort of that modern day plans don't really incorporate failure into anything, anything that they're doing. Like everyone talks about when you're training, there's no part of it, which just says, go hard and see what happens. <laughs> there's, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. Um, and the other bit is that, and this is maybe I'm overthinking this myself, but perhaps people aren't willing to sacrifice themselves so much because they don't want to present themselves in the global social media world that we live in as sort of having not run the race perfectly every time. So it's kind of like a twofold thing. I think that people are sort of perhaps told not to fail as much and are unwilling to fail at racing because they don't want to look bad at running. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think quite often when people ask me why how am I still running how am I still doing it the reality is is because I'm not embarrassed to look stupid I've turned up to many many races I don't apologies if you can hear my son he's a no, bit that, tired it all, it all, all adds to it, it all adds yeah to yeah it. he's, he's uh, <laughs> yeah exactly um he so yeah so I, it, it's I've had so many days where I'm you know I don't I I could quite easily feel protective of my image or who I think I am and what I think. And it's, and it beautifully links back to you guys looking up and going, Oh, he was better than I realized because you're fighting, you're fighting an invisible, uh, a, a mythical version of yourself. Cause that's what social media is. You only trying to present the best you. And, and it's that kind of balance of, of some people use it as a way of going that I'm I'm showing themselves to be raw but what ultimately really matters is yourself and when you're at home and you're not presenting yourself to anyone and you're comfortable in the fact that you know what you can go to bed at night and it doesn't matter how the day's gone you go home happy and settled knowing that um sorry he's, he's going back past the room that you're that you you don't harshly judge yourself and you're not hanging on to what others may or may think of you because ultimately that's not going to put you to sleep every night what's going to put you to sleep is you're happy with yourself and so and, and I think that's why I've kept going because there's been there's you know 14 I had an operation on my Achilles and I went through if you if you look back at it I went through 3 4 years of of hell to get back and the number of people that shamelessly would criticize me to my face and I, or behind my back and, and all this. And you just have to smile because, you know, if you're looking for acceptance of, of um, a bad day, um, I don't 
that's not long-term going to work. Um, what's going to work is you knowing yourself where you're at, where you're trying to get to, and that's the driving factor. And again, with going back to Q, like I had, I had zero, genuinely, I finished, I had zero thought other than I'm so proud of myself, Gemma, my coach and the team that helped me. And not one thought thought about what anyone else had thought of it. Not in a horrible way. I just didn't think anyone would have cared. In a, in a, it had no, it didn't register to me that. And and, and I remember a guy, the Athletic Weekly guy, um, and he came over and said, "Your finish has gone viral already." I went, "What do you mean?" I didn't. I had no recollection of the finish. I just had no process of it. All I could think about was, I was going to the Olympics. I pulled it off. Every all the hard work to get there, and I knew I knew the struggles and the and everything that I had to keep believing to get there. When I knew no one else is going to believe it, and no one, and it it was just it it took me a good two or three days to process. Oh, people are interested. Like it just didn't it just didn't. But that's because I just built this wall of just self contentment in a non horrible way at all. It was just. And I still do it now. Like, you know, you go out, ultimately going out, I've just been out in the, excuse me, pissing rain. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. And in the gym, I'm on my own. I train on my own. I, I don't have a training partner anymore because he's moved to Liverpool. It's probably something I said. And um, it's quite a miserable training process day to day. It's, But if I think about that and think about what everyone else has got and the help they've got, then you get down. But you think, no, actually, this is cool when I'm happy in my own skin if someone's there it's there it's just I don't know but that's you can't relay that on social media it's not it's not the world we live in now the world it's almost like again being philosophical for a second the world we're living in now is becoming about controlling other people and controlling the world around us I don't believe in that I believe you control your own emotions first and you you project what you uh, you project that, not I'm going to tell you how to talk to me. That's, you know, you let people be people and then it's up to you to deal with that. And that's why running, I think, you can't run away from it. You're right. If, you, if your body's struggling in a race or in a session, what, you're going to have a go at your body? No, you develop that relationship with your body. We go, let's let's work together on this. And, that, and that's kind of, that you become very much realising you're in control of your own destiny and you're in control of your own happiness more than you realise. Um, God, this has gone deep, isn't it? Jeez, look no, at me. No, it's great, Chris. Look at me, go. Talk about 10K, and we're into, we're into happiness. Um, a couple of things you said that I think are really, really interesting, and I've heard you talk about um, this before, and I think it's based a little bit on training with um, some East African runners and maybe speaking with some East African runners as well. Um, and in terms of, like, as you said, your, your race strategy of, of, pu- of pushing hard, maybe pushing harder than you think is actually sustainable at the time. Do you think actually that's more a tactic associated with the great East African runners? Maybe something that European runners don't tend to, we're maybe more conservative in terms of racing. Um, and also in terms of age as well, do you, do you think actually that European runners wait, sort of write themselves off after maybe mid-30s? Yeah, you yeah. took the words out of my mouth. I mean, that is spot on. It is, so... So I, when I trained in America with the Oregon Track Club, um, obviously one of the one of the best things about that was we had um, runners from all over the world, 
in the group, which was which was it just I think is a really if I was making a group tomorrow, I'd I'd want Europeans, Africans, Americans, UK. I'd want all the different flat. I think it's a really good culturally. It really helps bring everyone on because everyone can bring something different. And there was a a girl called Sally Kipiego and her husband Kev Chalima, and I obviously Kate trained more with Kev. And I would li- I would hang on their words because they had this laissez-faire attitude of when they when they were on it they were on it and when they were off it was like they were horizontal it was it honestly like they they would go out their easy runs or their jogs it was they were it looked like they were they were jogging slower than what Tom Bosworth would be walking like they were so on a, and, and Tom on a just walking around the shops for that matter it was just they were so comfortable in their own skin of 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 uh, I'll turn up my coach will tell me what to do and I will just give myself to that program and switch off and another th- and one of the things she said with age she goes you 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 westerners you put barriers in, on age all the time you just assume something before it's happened when it comes to age and I thought you're right because when I was young I went I'm too young and then suddenly I went from being too young to being too old there was no middle ground and I'm like what am I doing? So even now, like people will go, you're 41, but it comes with a, like, you're going to, when you're going to stop. And I'm like, well, when my body tells me to, not when I hit an age, because I mean, it's running, running truly free of, of age and, and and it's quite a liberating thing to be around that people that do that. And Sally was, was, um, uh, massive. I mean, she was. She ended up being Olympic medalist, and I have to admit, I put my hand up. Leading into 2012, I thought of all the barriers that would stop me. Was and I thought that was a good thing because that would make me try and improve all those things. I.e., I need to work on my finish. I need to be stronger. I need to be this. But what that ended up doing was injuring me, because actually I forgot the biggest thing, which was um, the other side of the coin of of being able to train hard but also switch off and not let those things consume me to the point of stressing I was doing everything I needed to do and being comfortable that there were, I was getting that balance and I, and I I do think between 2010 and 2012 I was I, I became too obsessed um, at trying to fix my what I perceived to be my weaknesses um, and as I've gotten older, I've gotten, if you'd put, and again, it's the age old comment of if I had my brain now, when I was younger, <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, it, but again, that's why I think now I think, well, I may not be 31, I'm 41, but I'm maximizing myself way more than I ever have, which is the, which is, which for me is the important bit. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And I think when you when things like children arrive on the scene and and your time becomes so much more precious in what you do, you become, or certainly with athletes that we've spoken to previously on the matter, your your efficiencies become so much greater. Your, your time management and all the things when you kind of you realise perhaps that your training before was taking up so much time, but there was a lot of faff as well. Whereas you kind of like single out all of that straight away because you you're not you haven't got time to do that. Yeah, and I think also that but also you realize um where you're getting the biggest bang for your buck um because there is a process of you know that one of the biggest advantages of being uh, again it's not not an age thing it's uh, how much i've been running for 24 25 years that's the important number in terms of how to look at training and so there's a lot of background running in there that means that um I can afford to take out certain bits and bobs because there is a body of work there, but also you just get to know what's going to bring you on the quickest um, and what's going to give you the biggest uh, return in, on investment. And I think, um, I know like Andy Vernon, I'm sure you you know that guy. I mean, he puts so much emphasis on the long run on a Sunday and it wanted, he wanted it to be hilly. And that was the thing that gave him the biggest bang in his week for me it's getting on the track and doing a 10,000 meter type session like 10 by a k and it's i come out of it and i that's the biggest jump i get of in my body and so it's knowing yeah knowing your biggest return on investment if i've only got an hour before boy wonder needs to you know he's going to probably get up or he needs to be fed or something you, you make that hour you make you know andy would go out and run as hard as he could for an hour i would warm up for 10 minutes do 10 by a gay and jog going for 10 minutes it's yeah horses for courses uh right can we talk about kit chris in terms of what people should be looking for in a 10k shoe and also just general kit advice is it pretty much the same as, as a marathon or is it quite different um i if you've asked me that question four or five years ago i'd say it'd be very different <laughs> but 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 now um obviously with super shoes and the way the way things have changed it's you i think you're seeing a lot more athletes wearing the same shoe on the road for instance whether they're running a marathon 10k or even 5k and um and five four five years ago when i was in my back back in the day i'd have a different shoe for the whether it's concrete gravel depending on the distance it would you know i wouldn't wear the same marathon shoe certainly or for a 10k it'd be very different but now it's um 
it, it, yeah and I, I, again there's obviously no there's no shame in saying that you know, obviously i'm sponsored by on and one of the fit on running and one of the things that that as i've gotten old and and with the nature of the way shoes are i'm very much involved in developing and helping develop um shoes and how and where it's going so i'm learning a heck of a lot ironically of what was what is well not what was i know what was i brought that to the table what is and what's potentially going to happen because um and one of the big discussions we ha- we've been having is can we learn from the fact that people used to use different shoes for different races and whether that can that's there's still a relevance there you know if you're running a 10 do we need a bit more cushion or do we need a bit more um of the carbon sort of kick, if you will, uh, or do we need more cushion for the marathon or, you know, is, is there a subtle difference? Cause at the moment, I think, I think it's become almost one shoe fits all road races, but on the, uh, and on the track again, um, uh, it, it, it again, I would, this is, this is weird. Actually. I actually wore, believe it or not for the 10 K, the same spike as my wife, Gemma wore for the 800 meters, which isn't, which is an incredibly weird thing to say because that you wouldn't that doesn't make any sense from back in the day. You generally people would have a more supportive, almost a a, a flat like shoe for the ten. So a lot of athletes used to get flats and have brands put spikes in. So the, it was it was called splats, <laughs> the nickname they got given uh, because they they wanted that extra cushion for the ten. Um, and that's where I think the new spikes and the new where the new spikes have helped the most, the five and the ten thousand meters, because they've provided that extra bounce and cushion with the spikes, which is something that athletes have always been pushing for historically. Whereas middle distance, they like to feel the track a bit more. They want a bit more, a bit a little bit less between the track and their foot, so they can feel and grab the ground. And so there's still that concept when it comes to 10,000 meters. I would, I would on the on the road. I would imagine certainly for me, I'd like to feel the ground a bit more than I would in a marathon. In a marathon, it's just pure cushion and pure support. Um, but in terms of kit, um, okay, it depends on where you are, what you're doing, the temperature, and all that jargon. I mean, it, it really. I mean, I've running 30. Three degrees heat in a 10k and i'd rather be running in just my pants <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you've run, I've run in conditions where i'd run in full leggings and it, it really does depend i think um so and the, and the good th- the beautiful thing with the marathon is again you can rip stuff off and take i mean the, the people tend to wear a lot more on the start line and and a lot of marathons tend to be in colder conditions it's uh, it's more about where you're training is the issue. That's where I struggled with London being in October. I was training for the UK summer and I I struggled with that. Struggled a lot. It was so hot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like high thirties multiple times. Oh, yeah, I think Real. it hit. I think it hit forty one. I think at its yeah. peak, it was yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, um, what would you say would be the classic 10k mistakes that people make when they first get to the distance and we've talked about how mistakes are good now so you can just go straight in this is this is yeah, exactly yeah. um i think i think it is difficult to i think it is difficult to be brave in the 10 because it that that word of if you're running 5k's it, it 
double the distance sounds a long way. Um, so I think I think um, being brave enough to to attack the first half is is again it's not a mistake as we've said, but it but it you know it's the thing that probably people come away afterwards going oh, I could have been a bit braver uh, in that. I think probably more so that way than the other way. Um, other mistakes, I think. <sighs> Again, it depends on the type of runner, but I do, I would say, I feel like athletes probably, and I did this, I feel like not looking at a lap counter is helpful. So you can, with a 10K, the temptation is to mentally think of like you would on a on a 5 or a 15, where you use the number of laps as a motor, you know, as a way of gauging effort. Whereas I think 10K especially on the track, is something where you, you've you got to use the first half of spacing out and breaking it down a bit different. So, I, so I'll so i use, if I'm using a 10K, I will use laps as a, as a, as a, or a time, more time than anything, right? I've got eight minutes to go, nine minutes to go, whatever. In a 10K, I try and break, to try and get it down to manageable numbers rather than 25 laps, I'll think of it as six miles. So I use the first, so I'm using manageable numbers to help myself relax in the first half. And I think getting that right blend of relaxing, but going hard enough is difficult. And I think breaking down numbers or time or using things that are a bit more manageable numbers. I always prefer sing, like singular digits, like even uh, in a marathon, I'll try and break things down into um, like three mile reps or something like that, just to make it feel more manageable. Um, uh, any other, I mean, anything else with a 10, I think, um, um, again, I wouldn't say this was a mistake necessarily, but certainly for my first ever 10k on the track, um, I thought too much about my finishing time that I was aiming for. And I don't think that's necessarily something that you should do. I think a good idea would be to, um, just be open-minded enough just to run just 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 do it um uh, i think that's something that that's quite handy to do is not go into it with times and just expectations like, like maybe no watch or like no no data uh no you, i i i i my rule is don't wear a watch anyway i mean i i have done when i haven't wasn't certain if i was going to get time feedback from the course but if there's time feedback especially in a track you shouldn't for me, it's don't wear a watch um, because then it's stopped because the temptation is to constantly look. You, you do all kinds of things when you're tired. You just, I mean, if I'm out on an hour, I, yesterday I was out for an hour and 45 run and I reckon I looked at my watch every minute and I'm going, I've got to stop. What am I doing? Stop it. Stop it. But it's just, stop it. Um, so I, again, it's a process of weaning yourself out of these things. So I'm still building back into training and I know that's a, that's a tick I need to, you know, I'm not immune from doing things like that. You, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, most of the time when I say don't do this is because I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm a parent now. I'm allowed, I'm a parent so I can say that. Do as I say, not as I do. I can say that now as a dad. <laughs> so in the immediate, I'm actually... Um, do, I'm actually running a marathon in less than two weeks. 
but it's it's in it's in it's not as a as a all out effort. I'm running. I'm going to Cayman Island to run um, to run their event. Uh, I did it a few years ago. As it, it was like a uh, a prize for first place that I ran Richmond Run Festival. And then you've got there's. Do you know Dan Nash? Yes, uh, the athlete. He's going yeah. out doing the half, um, and I'm going to do the marathon as a kind of a long run, hard long run. Uh, so that's kind of the loose kind of it's, it's a it will go it will go on my power of 10 so I have to say it's a race and then um but I'm working back from London Marathon in April is is at the moment is the the plan uh, I'm still there's a few races that I want to use to get ready for that I'm kind of being full transparency I'm in the moment I haven't gone away and left my son for any apart from the Olympics for any length of time and I'm toying with the idea that I might spend a bit of time before London just to just to um, have full um, recovery and focus on on the marathon, which emotionally would be a quite a hard thing to do. But I'm toying with whether I do that or not, or whether I um, stay at home. So that's kind of the um, the, the difficult thing because it, it should be the Olympic window should be opening up soon. It's usually the first of Jan the year before, and so I do want to give myself the best chance to run because uh, I still believe I can run some pretty handy times. I mean, this year I didn't run a marathon because of one reason or another we don't need to go into because it's too painful. But um, uh, I did do some good stuff in the background training wise, and so I kind of want to give myself the best chance I can, and that will probably involve um, giving myself up because again. The, the second London was I just got ill from my boy it's just unlucky no one's fault it's just he's at nursery comes back got a snivel and it wiped me out for two weeks game over so you know just taking out the that, that kind of a risk so that's what I'm looking at and then as far as this beyond that um I I've I had you know what I have toyed with and I haven't put it toyed with and again this is because of the super shoes I've thought about going back on the track and running a 10k just just to see because i i believe i the amount of time i think they give you and what i think i could run i think might would be worth it based on my rough calculations but um of what i think you know in old shoes i could run therefore what new shoes could do and i'm kind of and i put them on for the first time um on new super shoes because obviously i I'm, wasn't a priority because i'm running road and i put them on the other week i was like gee whiz like it's it's a different world and i was like i just came off going i want to i just want to see see what i could do we went to the went on did uh one of their um oac launch things in zurich um okay yeah i went over and uh and they had some of the early models of their new spike out to Mm. look at yeah and it's just yeah, you can just see the development coming on so fast now, just in terms of yeah. what what they're presenting and what other brands are doing, obviously as well. And the the changing in times that you've seen on the track, I mean, you know, there's a whole different argument there about performance and shoes and tech and stuff. But yeah, I think that that's, I think that'd be really interesting just to see, just like a little experiment. Well, well, exactly. I think it would it would because again, with when I've had conversations with my core team members and we talk about well what what do i need to do to run primarily we talk about running a fast marathon and one of the things is um 
keeping myself mechanically sound and to do that doing a 10k hard would be a good process to help with that because it let you know let's just say i don't know i ran 2830 for 10k just just for argument's sake i mean that would be a handy speed to be to to have in your pegs to then try and train for a marathon i wouldn't need to run that quick but it would be for and again i to be honest if i did try it i'd I believe I could run a heck of a lot quicker than that in these shoes. So it would be it would be an experiment to run a lot quicker than that. But but it, it would be a useful process to go through to complement other things I'm doing. Um, but yeah, like you say, on one of the things I like about working with on is again how in how much they include the athletes in the process, how much they listen, and how much they've involved. And and again, like you say. Um, I was, I went across to, during the Europeans, they had a lot of, invited a lot of people over to effectively talk about what they've been up to and how they're trying to develop shoes and the process they've been through. And I think it is exciting that they include people in that process and that journey because it's become more relevant again. I mean, it was, a you know, we've kind of had this seismic jump in performance of shoes was before people, I think, probably were more bamboozled by the colour of the shoes or the design of it rather than the, the how the performance-wise because they were relatively all performing the same. But now it's like it's a, it's, a, it's a topic again. And quite a lot of brands will be quite probably, I guess, quite closed off to, to talking about it because it's all, you know, I want the next big boom moment of this shoe, whereas... On's attitude is very much just yeah this is what we're doing this is what we're up to this is just what we're about and I quite like that because um I've been involved in a lot more behind the scenes stuff so to speak than 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 any other po- mo- moment in my life um which again when I think about my next steps and moving on in my in my life and I retire from running it, it feels a, a lot more empowering to know that you can have other skills and understand a lot more and I'm not I'm not just a a really good looking runner do you know what I mean <laughs> you'll always have your modelling yeah. you'll always have your modelling <laughs> always got that to fall back <laughs> always got that to fall back on um, <laughs> hey, well look they sponsored they, they were sponsored they sponsored the night of the 10k PBs didn't they yeah mm-hmm. see look this is all the stars are aligning this could be you in a new oh, shoe you at the go. night of the 10k's that, v, that, v, that V40 British record god you'd be, you'd be knocking minutes off it well it's funny like and that's where it's the dilemma because obviously London Marathon is like a few weeks before it and that's where it's like that's where uh kind of painful of that but yeah no because like yeah you're exactly right there's a there's a lot there to link it all nicely together and um and if I was it I was half thinking about it well this year I don't know when this goes out but this year in terms of 22 earlier on uh but again I again hazards of my boy a bulge dish in my back and um and that put me out for three weeks and that was that um but yeah no you're right there is there is a series of stars that would nice but then there's london that gets in the way but to be honest whether i'm i'll be 42 then 42 43 it's no different again and the eight so if i waited another year it wouldn't matter but um but um yeah there is a yeah there is there is some some temptation there to do it yeah mm, there's there's a lot of temp- to be honest again and this is the crazy thing there's a lot i didn't think this would be the case like 
10, 15 years ago, there's so much like when I sit down and think of what am I going to do? What's uh, there's a lot of, I get a lot, I get excited at the thought of because I've kind of, again, I've let go of what my PBs are because they're kind of irrelevant now. It's, um, in, in a lot of ways. And so I kind of, the thought of, I, th I never thought I'd be excited at the thought of running a 10 can, whether I will or not, I don't know. I might not do it, but I never thought I'd be excited about it, even though I don't think I'm going to run a PB, which is cool because that shows a love for running, which has changed a bit. Because if I, again, hands up honesty, I wasn't, I, I wasn't in love with running at the beginning. I was in love with the friendships and I was in love with how hard I could push myself. And I never really appreciated the benefits that running gave me. And as I've gotten older, that switched a bit. And now I can enjoy like the thought of, you know, the success of the challenge that is relative to my situation, which is nice. Chris, thanks so much for, uh, for, for coming on the Runners World podcast, talking 10Ks, but also philosophy and, and your modelling career. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, yeah. Well, that's, that's the important bit. I, I need to get that um, message back out to, there. That reminds me, I need to get back to Gucci <laughs> actually about next week. <laughs> <laughs> That on Gucci collaboration no, that's coming soon. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we look forward to the on, on Gucci 10k, night of 10k PBs. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Amazing chat with Chris Thompson, Be what, uh, the best looking man in running. Would you say? I mean, if I don't now, then it's you know I feel like uh, I'm doing a disservice to him after our chat. But yeah, probably one of the Gucci's Chris, Gucci's Chris regardless Thompson. of yeah. his his um, whatever credentials on the on the track. It's his. It's time on the catwalk that we're really here to talk about. <laughs> no, he brought. I mean, he brought so much that conversation, didn't he? I think actually, when he, when he talked about philosophy and what running hard can do to your life as well, actually, really inspired. Oh yeah. So, um, I think it's. He also talks kind of a. Well, it's not really a lost art of running. That's a very dramatic way of putting it. But it certainly, um, a necessary learning in running about finding your cutoff points, finding your finding that natural. As he was saying, when you you can, That's yeah, go to the, what, the, what the red line mean, how much that deviates all the time, not just, you know, you, it's not like once you find it and then that's it. You know, you're always working towards a new point of, of like, how hard can I go and getting to a start line and being able to sort of know instinctively rather than being told by a watch or whatever it is that that you know you can you can hold a certain pace and keep going and, and that's and what that feels like i think that was yeah it's very interesting listeners let us know what you think of the episode uh podcast at runnersworld.co.uk and if there's any other subjects uh, you want us to cover you can let us know there as well we're open to anything ben aren't we pretty much yeah no well to the 200th the 200th episode is coming up soon so why not email us some guest suggestions, people that we haven't had on yeah. that you think we should have. Yeah. Uh, podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Just let us know. Don't say yourself. Yeah, come That's on. That's not what... Get over yourselves. On. Unless, Get unless over yourselves. Elliot, you're listening. Yeah. Please email come us. He can come on. Um, so, yeah, all right, fine. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Thanks very much to our great looking guest chris thompson and to you of course for listening from two other incredibly good looking runners thanks for listening um you can subscribe to three issues of runners world uh for just five pounds head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash runners world podcast to get this exclusive listener offer you're obviously listening to the podcast so thanks so much if you haven't subscribed please do tell your friends 
Tell them to Google Runners World UK podcast. They'll find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google, all of the places. And uh, thank you for listening. You'll hear from us next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.